So it's been a pleasure to really get to know several of you and to talk with a lot of you. And something that you may, many of you may have noticed by me by now is that I really like movies. I enjoy them. I, I enjoy going to the movie theater and watching them on the big screen. A certain genre that I kind of have a problem with and I don't really like that much is horror. Horror movies scare me too much and, and I, I can't stand them. I'm a, li I'm a little kid when I see them. And in fact, in the 1980s, horror movies, such as The Exorcist and The Omen, actually caused a big problem. They caused something called a satanic panic. And what the satanic panic was in the 1980s was that a lot of people thought that there were secret devil-worshipping organizations that would infiltrate churches and schools and try to corrupt them from the inside. And ultimately, it all turned out to be not true. It all just was rumors and local paranoia. But one day I was curious, I, I was meeting with a denominational pastor and I, and I asked him what did he think about that, what he thought about, you know, evil organizations doing that. And he said he didn't really think that there was actual true satanic infiltration of, of churches and stuff. But he did think that there was in a way because it's not so much that there are evil organizations, but it's Satan entering the hearts of men and men who end up doing harm to fellow Christians and to churches. He said that is true infiltration. That's how Satan gets at it. It's not through some evil cult or something. It's through him attacking the, own, the members of the church and attacking from within. And one of the darkest verses in the Bible that we read of is in Luke chapter 22, verse 3. In Luke chapter 22, verse 3, it says, Then Satan entered Judas, surnamed Iscariot, who was numbered among the twelve. And I think there is no greater example of pure satanic infiltration among God's people than the example of Judas Iscariot. So today I'd like to do something maybe a little bit different, and I'd like to look at the life of Judas and, and see how he himself became an agent of Satan and how we can avoid his pitfalls and guard our hearts against the devil. Because something to keep in mind is that we can be followers of God, you can be a follower of Jesus, and you can still fall. You can still fall just like Judas did. Read with me in Matthew 10, beginning in verse 1. Matthew 10, beginning in verse 1, it says, And when he had called his twelve disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. Now the names of the twelve apostles are these, Simon, who is called Peter, Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, Lebaeus, whose name was Thaddeus, Simon the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. And when we see this verse, when we see these verses, it says that he called his twelve disciples to him. And amongst those, it's also numbered Judas. And something that we sometimes overlook because of the negative stigma that Judas has given across the, across the eras is that he was, in fact, an apostle of Jesus. He was numbered amongst the twelve. Wherever they went, when it said the twelve, when it said the disciples healed all kinds of sicknesses, when they said the disciples heard Jesus preach, Judas was numbered amongst them. Judas was given authority to heal the sick. He went out and preached 
Jesus Christ to the people. He saw Jesus perform these miracles. He was in every shape and form an apostle. And in our lives, and we need to keep in mind, is that we also have been chosen by Jesus to be his followers. Because Jesus had the honor of being handpicked by Jesus himself to be one of his apostles. In the ancient days, it wasn't so much it wasn't so much that you, that a teacher would come and ask you to be one of his students. It was the other way around. You would go to a teacher and ask him, and ask him to be your, his, you be his disciple. But Jesus did it the other way around. He picked his people, and he picked Judas to be amongst them. Just like he, God has called us to be part of his kingdom. And so what about us today? Is it possible to fall like Judas fell? Is it possible to go to church, to pray to God? to do our daily Bible readings and still fall? Well, I would say yes. If we read in 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 12, it says, Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. And in the New Testament, I did a little search. In the New Testament, there are over 28 times when it's that the New Testament tells us to take heed. And why is it that the New Testament and Paul and the other apostles and the writers of the New Testament constantly hammer that in. Take heed lest you fall. Why is that? Because we can fall just like Judas did. Because if Judas was chosen by Christ and not only witnessed miracles, think that. He witnessed people rising from the dead. He witnessed lepers being cleansed of their, of their illnesses. He witnessed all of that. And if that man could go wrong then what's stopping, us from, what's stopping us from also following? But what went wrong with him? And how can we avoid going down that same path like he did? Well, the first thing I think we need to keep in mind is to guard our hearts. We really need to guard our hearts because sin, more than anything, escalates. And the way the devil often tempts us is by everyday small decisions that he eventually build up and cause us to make very, very large mistakes we will eventually regret. And this is exactly what happened to Judas. In John chapter 12, Jesus goes on to visit the house of Lazarus and his sisters, Mary and Martha. And Mary, instead of serving the guests and cleaning her out the house, she went to Jesus and she poured a very costly oil on his feet and washed it with her hair. And the estimated cost of the oil was apparently around 300 denarii, which in modern standards would be about a year's wage. And so to put that into perspective, the average American wage is somewhere around fifty to $80,000. I know, right? Who would pay for that kind of a foot massage? I know I wouldn't. <laughs> but, um, but let's read what Judas's response when he sees this woman pour something so valuable and so casually away. What did, what did Judas see at this? Did he see a woman who was selflessly giving what was most precious to her financially to her king? Did he see that? Or did he see something more carnal? Let's read with me in John chapter 2. John chapter 12, sorry. Beginning in verse 4. Let's see what Judas's response to that was. In John chapter 12, verse 4. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? 
This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the money box, and he used to take what was put in it. And this very verse right here, we can see how sin escalates in our lives and how sin slowly transforms us into, into wicked servants of the devil. Look at this. First, we can see insincerity in Judas's words. John mentions that Judas here has no real concern for the poor. He may have acted in this moment. He acts like a real, like a real outstanding guy, right? He says, well, we could have used that money to help the poor. But he wasn't sincere about his actions. That wasn't what he really was trying to get at. He didn't care about, about the poor. And perhaps this was how he was his entire time with Christ. So we see how he is insincere. And now look what happens. Now look at what else is going on here. He's becoming greedy. There is greed. Judas wanted money. It says that he was a thief. And he was going to find any way to obtain that money. And if that meant lying about what his true actions were, then he certainly would. From that greed, there became criticism. And following that insincerity and that greed, he gets angry because he couldn't get the money that he wanted. He lost, he lost $50,000. Let's remember, he lost 300 denarii out of that deal. He could have sto stolen that money later on. And he criticizes a righteous act by a godly woman because he wants that money. And from that insincerity, from that greed, from that criticism, and from all that lying, that does not affect him only. Sometimes when we sin, we think, oh, it's only going to affect me. It affects everyone around us. Because from Judas' statement here, it created dissension among those who, Christ, who were following Christ. And it says in Matthew 26, 8, that not only was Judas upset at the use of this oil, but so were the apostles. It says the apostles also murmured against her. So not only is Judas causing himself to sin, but he's also causing unrest among the apostles as well. And so for us to avoid being like Judas, we must stop the small sins and the small actions at their beginning before they become something bigger. There's a story that I remember a preacher once telling me about, about a serial killer. And they asked him about why did he start it? How did he start? What, what brought, what was the nexus that caused him to, to do these things? And he says that one day, he went outside, he was a normal family man, just like anyone here. And not that I'm saying that anyone here could, hopefully not. <laughs> and he was a normal family man and he was working in his garden, and a woman passed by. And as she walked past by him, a thought entered his mind of what that would be like, of what murdering someone would be like. But immediately, as the thought entered his mind, he pushed aside. But soon, that thought kept coming back and back and back, and it consumed him. And eventually, that thought caused him to do the unthinkable says in Proverbs 4.23, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Keep your heart with all diligence. So how can we prevent sin from escalating? By guarding our hearts. We can all be tempted, and we can all have thoughts that we should not have enter our minds. But what matters is 
guarding against those thoughts before they fester inside of us. And pushing them aside is what matters the most before they escalate into something that they're not, that they're something worse. Just as Judas's lie and his insincerity led to dissension amongst his own friends. Another thing that we need to keep in mind, don't give the devil a foothold. Do not give the devil a foothold. A man who is an alcoholic, I don't think ever set out to be one. He probably just wanted a drink with his friends. A man who commits fornication or adultery doesn't do that, doesn't come with that in the beginning of his mind. It's usually a gradual process of him letting his guard down with someone, with someone else. And a thief does not pick a career of thievery. He sees a chance to get money. He needs money, and he sees an easy way to get it. And yet in each of these cases, sin led these men to commit unthinkable acts that in their hearts they never would have even thought of doing. Because it says in Ephesians 4.27, do not give place to the devil. In some translations, instead of saying give place to the devil, it says don't give the devil a foothold. Because the devil is looking for any opportunity to take advantage of you and invade your heart. He is constantly examining your life, constantly seeing what little tiny crack can I go inside and harm you the most. He is constantly trying to find an opportunity to go, I got him. He's constantly looking for that. So that's why in Proverbs it says, do not give the devil a foothold. Do not give him any space to enter into your heart. And let's look back at what happened with Judas after he complained about the fragrance oil. What happened immediately after the apostles and him complained was that Jesus finds out that they're talking about Mary this way, and he condemns them for their words, and he praises Mary's actions. But what does Judas do after he's been rebuked by his master? What does he do? It says in Matthew 26, beginning in verse 14, Matthew 26, verse 14, that one of the twelve, called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and said, What are you willing to give to me if I deliver him to you? And they counted out to him 30 pieces of silver. So from that time, he sought opportunity to betray him. Earlier, if we read, it says that the chief scribes and priests and elders had decided to take Jesus and kill him by deceit. And now here Judas sees an opportunity. The love of money and the desire for it has become so large for him that he agrees to betray Jesus. And when he agrees to betray Jesus, he's betraying a friend that he has been traveling with for the past three years. And here Judas saw an opportunity to gain more wealth. And how much is 30 pieces of silver? That's about $3,000. He betrayed his friend, his master, his loyal teacher, for $3,000. No human life is worth that little. And especially the life of my master is worth more than 30 pieces of silver. But that's not what Judas is thinking about in his mind. He's thinking about, I need more money. And this is a perfect way for me to get it. I don't know exactly what he may have been thinking of. But perhaps he saw Jesus get out of tricky situations. He saw Jesus get out of these crowds who wanted to stone him. And here he saw, this is a perfect opportunity for me to gain money, knowing somehow that Jesus is going to pull through. He's going to pull through, and I'm going to get some cash. 
And now, nevertheless, whatever may, he may have been thinking of, sin has now led Judas to betray Jesus, his master. It says in Luke chapter 22, in verse 47. Luke chapter 2, in verse 47. And while he was still speaking, behold, a multitude, and he who was called Judas, one of the twelve, went before them and drew near to Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus said to him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? And we all know what happened afterwards. The next day, Jesus was crucified, and he died. And our sins may not be greed, but whatever the sin is that may attract us, whatever that is evil and of sinful nature, it must be put away before the devil can use that as a foothold to take over your heart. You see, the devil saw in Judas that he had a love of money. He saw a way that he can get in and betray, and betray Jesus. And of course, we can see that from that, Jesus died. But if we realize, and Judas comes to realize that he is a sinner, that's not the end of the story. There is hope for us, of course, because when we sin and we are regretful or we are remorseful over what happened, we should let our remorse lead to repentance. And so there is hope. Let your remorse lead to repentance. There's a saying, I don't agree 100% with it, but some people use it, and they say that poverty is a state of mind. But I think I, I don't agree with it 100%, but I get the gist of what they're saying. Because being a sinner is a state of mind. Being a sinner is a state of mind. They say that one of the first steps when you're trying to overcome an addiction is to try to be a person who's not an addict. If, you're an if you are an alcoholic, you have to think that you are a person who is not a drinker to overcome it. And if you let yourself think that you're an addict, that's all you'll ever believe you are. If you think that you are just a sinner and that there's no hope for you, that's all that you will ever be. You have to be thinking that you're not that person, that there is hope for you. And Judas did, did the wrong thing. He did, he did not understand, because at his moment of regret and remorse, it led him to defeat instead of repentance. It says in Matthew 27, and beginning in verse 3, it says, Matthew 27, verse 3, Then Judas, his betrayer, seeing that he had been condemned, rose remorseful and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. And they said, What is that to us? You see to it. Then he threw down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. Now, during Jesus Christ's passion and crucifixion, he had two disciples who in their own way betrayed him. The first was Judas, who sold him for silver, and ultimately he regretted and he went and hanged himself. But there was another one who was called Peter, Sir Peter, who denied him three times. But you see, Peter did it the right way because he, he, let, he used his remorse to, and that led to repentance. Because both men eventually regretted their actions, but both responded very differently. Jesus decided to kill himself out of regret. But Peter turned back to Christ and followed him. And we know the story in John chapter 21. Jesus is now resurrected and he's with the apostles. And I think this is one of the most beautiful stories in the Bible, in John chapter 21. And Jesus asked Peter, 
do you love me? Three times. And at the end of those three times, Peter says, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Do what Peter did. Get back. Go back to Christ. Don't let that give you, don't let sin defeat you. Because there is a way out for your sins. Do not let sin and the shame behind it kill you like it did Judas. Because sooner or later, all sin will lead to death. Sometimes that sin will lead to physical death. But it will always, always, always lead to spiritual death. But there is a way out of it through Jesus. And all we have to do is turn back and follow him. Something that Peter understood, but Judas failed to understand. Because when we fail God and man, we make disappointment, disappointing mistakes. It doesn't mean we need to give up. We must recognize our failure and continue to pursue God and his commandments. We have to turn back to God and do what Peter did. And just as Peter turned back to God, God gave him opportunities to redeem himself so that he could now be a, wor- a faithful follower to him. Because sin, there's, an old, there's a song, I didn't know this was a song, I thought it was just a phrase, but apparently it's a popular song that goes to show my ignorance in music. It says, sin will take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. And there's a verse that I'd like to add to that saying, because sin will transform you into someone who you're not. Because sin has made the strongest of men become shells of their former selves. And the life of Judas stands as a reminder to us of how even those closest to the Lord can become pawns of the devil. Because we fight an everyday battle, and we need to make sure that we do not become pawns in the adversary's wicked schemes. But there is hope. There is hope in Jesus Christ. There is hope in turning back to him. By remembering that Jesus Christ has called us to serve him, that he has picked us, he is calling us to serve him. By cutting off sin from the start, by remembering where sin can lead us, and by always knowing that even if we do sin, we have hope of redemption, and Jesus is always there with his arms open, asking us to come back to him. And as you leave these doors, remember that we are Jesus' followers, chosen by him to overcome sin. And may we never serve anyone or anything other than Jesus Christ. Because if you have the need to to leave the sight of Satan and become a follower of Jesus, or if you are a Christian and you have need to return to God, remember the example of Peter. Remember the example of Judas. There are two things that you can do. You can follow the example of Judas, and that will just lead to death and suffering for you. Or you can follow the example of Peter and what Peter did. And you can come back to Christ, and Christ will gladly take you in. And it says that Peter wept. He was crying out of the happiness, knowing that Jesus had taken him back after the third time. And so Jesus is asking you today, if you are a sinner and you would like to be a Christian, or if you are a Christian and you need to come back to the fold of God, do you love me? And I hope that today, whenever we sin, that we can say, yes, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. 
and we can come back to the fold of God to be with him because Christ is there waiting for us to come back with his open arms. And so if you would like to come forward, I ask you now to come forward and stand and sing so you can be once again part of God's people.